The way we take care of ourselves is ever evolving. And what we know for sure is that our mind and spirit are linked to our physical body and that our wellness seems to extend into our communities and the planet we all share. It is very, very clear that wellness is interconnected. We love spending time with you to explore and practice the breakthroughs, the insights, and the passions of incredible people helping us all see the world in a whole new light. This is HealthGig. Gail Coleman is a coach, writer, entrepreneur, and financial advisor with more than 35 years of professional experience. Gail infuses practical financial savvy with coaching and spiritual embodiment to bring somatic finance to life as an entirely new way of understanding, relating to, and integrating money with our life. She is co-founder of Coleman Knight Advisory Group, LLC, a holistic wealth advisory firm based in Massachusetts. So Gail, welcome to Health Gig. Thank you. I'm happy to be here with you, Doro. Trisha and I, and I'm sorry she's not here, are very excited to talk to you, especially about your new book. But before we do that, we always love to ask our guests a little bit about themselves. So tell us about you. I did read that when you grew up, ironically, you were taught that it was impolite to talk about money, but that's what we're going to talk about today. Tell us a little bit about your background. I'm a native Floridian that flew the coop after college and came up to Boston to pursue a career in financial planning. And I have been here for 40 years now. It's been a wonderful journey, and I've built a life and family and business centered around helping people make wise financial decisions. It's taken a beautiful journey, learning a lot and growing and understanding how money affects us and our lives in so many ways. I have a husband, been married for 35 years. We have two grown children. No grandchildren yet, but um, hopefully someday. Yes. Yeah, and um, business that we love, and I'm enjoying bringing the teachings and the wisdom from our experience into the work of somatic finance and in writing. And as you mentioned, my book, that's some of the offering that uh, we can give back to the world. So you are in business with your husband at Coleman Knight Advisory Group, LLC, and that's out of Boston? Just outside of Boston and Acton. Yes. And our son is joined us about four plus years ago, and so he will be our generation two evolving the business. I guess that's a whole different subject and topic, but it's going great, and we're very proud of his contributions as well. Oh, that's awesome. It's wonderful to work with your children if you possibly can. That's not always the case, but that's pretty great. So you've written a book called The Body of Money, and you're talking in that book about somatic finance. So can you, for our listeners, explain what somatic finance is and what money has to do with the body? I will do my best. So somatic, <laughs> its um, origin is from the Greek word soma, which means body. So it's a line of our human development is the somatic line of development. So being aware of our body sensations, our movement, pressure, temperature, being aware of what's going on, say, below our neck. Finance and money, believe it or not, has everything to do with our body in the sense that our body has innate intelligence to communicate to us. 
when it comes to the subject of money, we typically ignore our wisdom that our body offers us. We stick to our rational, strategic mind, which is not a problem. It's important, but it's partial. It's not the whole picture. It doesn't include our emotions, our intuition, the things that help to make our money choices unique to us and our own lives. I'm visualizing my head is connected to my body, so I need to use both when making decisions in life and, in this case, financial decisions. It's more of an invitation. Instead of a, I should do this or I need to do this, it's, wow, I'm struggling with money. And it doesn't matter whether you have a little money or a lot of money. It doesn't matter what the numbers look like. Everyone has some kind of money challenge because even those with, I would say, too much might struggle with how do I steward this? How do I make decisions that are going to not be a burden? And those who say have what they would determine is not enough, how do they make choices that are going to be really aligned with their values and choices that are not based upon what they're hearing they need to do externally, but really come from inside? And that actually works for everyone. It's really about allowing ourselves to understand the knowledge about money and then come into our heart and our belly and our nervous system and allow those sensations, those experiences to help us make the decision that is best for us. So what are the struggles that people experience with money? Maybe the question would be, what don't we experience struggles with money? And that would point to when we're living our life full of creativity, full of meaningful relationships, full of work or whatever it is that we're engaging in is something that we're making a contribution to the world. And I say that because I believe that we as humans are here not only just for ourselves, but we grow and we love more and we experience more joy in our life whenever we are able to share whatever it is we uniquely can give. That comes from what can I do? What is it that I'm here for that is going to be of positive impact in the world? One of the questions is how do we get money to flow from love and not fear? What are some of the things we can do? Get familiar with what fear feels like to us in our body and You've probably heard of the fear responses of fight and flee, but there are four fear responses. There's fight, flee, freeze, and faint. Two of those responses are mobilized responses, so the fight and flee. And then faint and freeze are immobilized responses, and they, and they happen in our body. And we all have our own, I'll say, signature response. And it's not a problem. I will first I want to say that fear is not a problem because we are built for fear. What's important is to harness an understanding and an appreciation of 
how fear supports us and then be able to move through it skillfully so that it actually does move through us. And I would say every experience we have with fear is a moment of integration where we become more whole because fear is typically something from the past or a future fearing about something that has not yet happened. And so when we're able to become present right here in the now, and when we are embodied, when we do have a recognition and awareness of our somatic presence, so even right now, as I'm seated, I can feel my bottom on the chair. You can too. And listeners can, you know, bring their attention into their body as well. And that immediately brings us to this moment, this experience. And in this moment, we can say, am I okay? Yeah. And we can take a breath. And we know that our taking a breath and particularly a deeper belly breath helps to calm our nervous system and activates our parasympathetic nervous system. There's wonderful brain science that has been more popular in the past 10 years that's telling us how important our nervous system is for our health and well-being and for getting closer to and identifying our fear, the importance of it, and moving it through and healing fear-based experiences. That's a long-winded answer to your question about fear and how can we attend to it. That's one way. I love that because I often say that to myself, right now, I'm okay. You know, because we do get lost in our crazy thoughts and off we go. And if we can only remember that in this moment, you know, I was telling you about my brother and somebody I'm worried about and I get all crazy in my head and I think, Toro, everything's okay right now. He's okay. You're okay. And it's a good practice to just coming back to this moment. You are highlighting one of the, what I call the, the gateways to financial freedom, which is sufficiency. And, and it's an embodied sufficiency is that place where we can sustain our heart knowing of being okay. Because when we truly feel that and embody it, our capacity to then generate kindness, goodwill, make choices that are free of fear. And that's really what we want to be able to do is feel our innate okayness. And you also say that our financial fears boil down to one very personal question. I read this on your website. Am I enough? So talk a little bit about that. Well, many of us have limiting beliefs and behavior that relate to, am I good enough? Am I doing enough? Am I producing enough? You know, all of these relate to, am I lovable? And so typically these feelings form in childhood, not from, you know, bad parents, but just from the way we are and having a need that may or may not have been fully met. And so we will create patterns and behaviors to meet feeling okay. So for me, example, I want to make sure that everyone's okay. If everyone else is okay, then I'm going to be okay and I will be enough. I have a vigilance that I can scan for this is wrong, that's wrong, and I'm going to make sure that that can be fixed. And then I will be 
enough because I've done more. I've been able to help. Then I will be recognized. Then I will be seen and, and then I will feel better. And these cycles of enoughness or, or suffering can continue for many decades until we, you know, find those limiting beliefs about am I enough and realize that just who we are, not doing anything, not achieving anything, not amassing all kinds of financial wealth. Just by being who we are is sufficient, beautiful, plenty. It's our own human right to be here. Can we ever be free of money struggles? And what's the process in changing our thoughts about money? I do believe that we can be free of money struggles. And the process is what I would say is integration. Exterior practical financial processes that we all engage in and interior exploration, discovery, and merging the two, making sure that our financial actions come from who we really are, what we really value, and that comes from feeling and experiencing what is happening inside our body. So what's an example of investing your money in a way that matches personal values? How does that look? It can certainly be something like socially responsible investing and having different kinds of investments that are in certain allocations, certain industries. But it can also be, I want to create a foundation that is uh, promoting women's rights and helping women with equality. It can also be, I'm going to help my neighbor because they need some support and I want the trees on their property to be able to thrive and, and live and they aren't able to manage it. I mean, I really believe that we typically look at how am I going to allocate my financial resources from a, a somewhat of a narrow view of in investments and when we can really begin to come from why am I here? What is it that only I can do? And it may be to start a business. The opportunities are endless, but it, mostly it is, am I really taking the time to find out what it is that would bring me alive and also be of support to another? I'm in the literacy world a little bit. And could it be supporting an independent bookseller and that Absolutely. kind of... Yeah. Absolutely. And when you do, what happens for you? I feel good that I'm, yes. you know, supporting these small business owners and the authors that I love and that kind of thing. That to me is a great example and it's worthy. I wanted to ask you, what are some of the practices? Because you mentioned when Trisha and I spoke to you the other day that there are some practices that can support somatic finance. What are they? And you mentioned you might want to run through one or two or something. Share that with us. The reason practices are so important is that we can certainly have a wonderful dialogue and, you know, folks can read the book, but until we practice, we're not able to fully understand and appreciate unless we have a direct experience of what we're talking about. So that's why I said if there's an opportunity, I would love to lead us through a tiny practice so that... Yes. You can have a, an experience, so we can do that now, or if you yes. want to. Okay, let's so do that. I call this practice as a belly, heart, spine, and it's an opportunity for us to experience the space in our belly and the space in our heart. 
And I would invite us to either lower our gaze or shut our eyes and just take a moment to feel the envelope of your skin. And if you happen to be listening to this while driving, obviously be safe and just listen. So as you feel the envelope of your skin, just notice the temperature and what the air feels like. And then bring your attention to your bottom if you're seated and the touching on the chair and feeling held by the chair, which is held by the earth. And feel your feet flat on the floor, the ground. And rest your hands lightly on your thighs and allow yourself just to come into this moment feeling your body. And you might bring your attention to your breath and just notice where it's coming into your body, in your throat, your upper chest. And maybe with attention to your breath, you notice it dropping down deeper into your belly. So feel your bottom on the chair. Maybe elongate your spine and feel your chest open. And lift the top of your head to the sky. You might rock forward and back just to get a sense of your verticality and a sweet spot where it feels effortless to sit. And then maybe rock left and right to feel, again, that sweet spot where it feels effortless to, to sit up with your spine elongated and an open chest. If you have thoughts running through your mind, just let them go. And now let's bring our attention to our belly. And if this feels okay to you, bring your breath down into your belly as if you're expanding a balloon as you inhale and releasing the balloon as you exhale. So inhale, expand the balloon, exhale, release. And just do this on your own in a comfortable rhythm for a couple of breaths, expanding and releasing and just noticing this space, noticing the quality of this space. And if you struggle noticing the interior of your belly, you can certainly place one of your, the palms of your right or left hand on your belly. So the belly is our seat of safety. It's where we are grounded and rooted, confident. We find our stability in our belly. It's the first of our three nutrients of safety. 
So when we're in our belly, we can say, I am okay, I'm safe. If that appeals to you, you can say that to yourself. And then from our belly, we can begin to move up our spine, just in front of our spine, allowing the energy of our belly to move up with us. And as we reach the back of our heart, so you might gently rock your pelvis forward and back and notice your spine moving with you and feeling that energy moving up. Our spine helps us to feel our presence, our worthiness, our dignity, which is another nutrient that we all need as humans. You just notice how it is for you to feel upright, open, and dignified. Then if you like, you can say to yourself that I am dignified, I'm worthy. And from the back of our heart, we can move forward into the third nutrient, which is connection. Then bring our breath into our heart space. Again, breathing in, imagining a flower beginning to open, a bud beginning to open with each inhale. A petal opens. Each exhale, our kindness and love radiates outside. Inhaling, a bud opens. Exhaling, we expand. Inhale, and exhale. Take a few breaths on your own, opening your flower one petal at a time and expanding your kindness and love in all directions. We're getting to know the space of our heart. And this is the center of connection. We open, we connect, and generosity flows. And if it feels right, you can say to yourself, I am connected. And before we close, just notice all three centers, your belly and your heart and your spine. How open they feel, 
what sensations you might notice, temperature, how nourished, how present you feel, what's different. And maybe from this place, do you feel like you have more capacity to make decisions that are more aligned with who you are and what you wish for yourself, for your family, or others? And when you're ready, express a little gratitude to your belly, heart, and spine, and let's come back together. Wow. Okay, I really needed that. <laughs> and I know our listeners, there will be people like me who will have needed something like that. And um, how beautiful. And I love talking about the things that we need as human beings the connection and the safety and the dignity. Thank you. It just makes so much sense to me. So thank you for sharing that beautiful meditation. My pleasure. I'm feeling very calm and relaxed, and um, but I do have more questions for yeah, you. Please. So as I was thinking about your book, you and I are both in Maine, and I don't know if you experience the same thing, but things do not come as quickly here as they do in my home in Washington, D.C., so I didn't get it in time, but cannot wait to read it. Thank One you. One of the things you talked about earlier is sufficiency, and why is it that we never feel like we have enough, and how does greed factor in? I think there are many reasons why we don't feel like we have enough. What the external messages and the conditioning in our family of origin and society tells us that if we want to be happy, successful, you need this. And we see it in advertisements and just basically everything that's external. And so that's really why coming inside ourselves, quieting ourselves, and really accessing our truth is what allows us to release that grip, that message that I need this in order to that. Greed is reified fear. It's crystallized, carbonated fear. So we all have scarcity. That's really what we're talking about when, when we don't think we have enough. We talk about scarcity mentality. I think all of us have a chance to explore, and I say clean up our scarcity beliefs of not feeling like we have enough. Greed, I believe, is a person who has not really explored their scarcity, doesn't have an awareness of life, people outside of themselves, and they are simply scared, 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 and they have not been able to look at the fear embedded in, you know, their life and fear that's embedded in their body. All emotions, fear being one of the primary ones that we're talking about, have a connecting spot in our body. We feel our emotions in our body. Each of us feel it our own unique way, and that's why practice and exploring is so important. But fear is typically felt in our belly, maybe our hands, a little bit of jitters in other places in our body. Sadness is typically in our chest and behind our eyes, our throat. 
Anger is typically in our back and our jaw. These general areas are just kind of a pointer because it's really very important for everyone to do their own exploration to find those places for themselves. Speaking particularly of fear, fear has a different kind of movement where sadness flows and anger also flows, but it has an energy that moves. Fear vibrates. So it really does require us to pay attention to it and move with it, give it kind attention so that it has the ability that we can see that limiting belief. And when we see it and when we feel it, something shifts. And those are the openings. Those are the ways that then offer us an opportunity to integrate, which I was talking about earlier, to really integrate our truth and the fear that has been embedded in our body. And it might be a fear that we have experienced in our life, or it can be a fear that was passed down to us. Being aware of all of your fear and all of the emotions around money yes. is the first step. And then there's openings to make the changes. There's a commitment and a choice to own your life. You are responsible. You are the one, you're the only one who can make this journey and you can do it. That's also the important point is that this is, does not require anyone else. No one outside of you can do this for you, but also how liberating that you have the capacity within you to discover and choose and change and to heal yourself or to feel what you need to feel. You mentioned greed, and I really want to say that I don't believe any of your listeners are stuck in greed. I believe we all have some scarcity places to play with, but I reserve greed for the people who are really suffering. I think that people who are stuck in greed are really suffering and miserable. So I don't know if that resonates. That makes sense to me. Can a shift in thinking on how we deal with money also extend into other decision-making processes? So if we shift how we think about money and do these practices, can this help us with the rest of our life? 100%. Absolutely. Money is really no different than any other, I'll say, issue that we might be struggling with. And for your listeners, and what I like to do in longer practices is bring our issue, give a symbol, visualize some kind of symbol, or let our subconscious give us a symbol for our issue, which money or a relationship or a job or anything, and then float that symbol into our belly or our heart, and then allow that somatic practice to be able to inform us about that particular situation or issue. What is it that you hope to accomplish with this book? I hope to, in the broadest sense, alleviate the suffering and struggle around money. And I hope that we're able to integrate how money flows in a world that works for all people so that money is friendly, that we play more, we create more, we feel the beauty of joy and its gratitude and, and even grief. I mean, when we have loss, 
That just means we've loved. My wish is that money does become an integral part of our beautiful human lives. It's not a mystery. It's not confusing. But it really is an integrated whole. So is there anything I haven't asked you that you would like our listeners to know? I'd say that everything that they need is with inside them and to trust that they have that capacity and to trust that there are many, many somatic pathways and practices to support them. And if you have a practice, yoga, walking, swimming, those are places to start. And that baby steps can become large steps. Start the baby steps in, you know, making choices and to practice in a way that helps to integrate your money issues. And that is progress. Gail, thank you for joining us on Health Gig today. I am very excited to receive my copy of The Body of Money, and I hope all of our listeners will read it along with me. It's been an honor to have you. Thank you. Enjoy your time in Maine. Just thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Doro. It's um, wonderful to be here with you, and you enjoy your time in Maine as well. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well. Precision medicine is a genetics-based approach to personalized care informed by biometrics, genomics, and lifestyle factors. Dr. Dawson, founder, CEO of Wild Health, can bring you incredible recommendations for diet, exercise, sleep, mental health, disease risk reduction, and more based on your personal health story. All of you are invited to get to know Matt Dawson better beside the ocean and over some incredible meals at Gasparilla in November. Call for the Foundations of Wellness Experience Reservations at 877-764-1420 or the-gasparilla-in.com.